sharing about relationships and most importantly probably and as our focus the marriage relationship the marriage that you have the, the relationship that you have with your spouse and that, that really truly after you have your relationship with Jesus your relationship with your spouse if you're married is the next most important relationship in your life we started the first couple of weeks talking about desires and expectations and the difference between the two that we can have desires in our heart, that, that God puts desires in our heart, that we all come to that, that day, that wedding day, that moment where we're getting married with all of these thoughts, these ideas of what marriage is going to be like. Like it's going to be this, uh, this way, we're going to do it this way, and it's going to happen like this, and then we're going to drive this, and then we're going to live in this kind of house, and then he's going to be like this in the daytime, and he, she's going to be like this, and, the, and then this is going to happen with the kids, and this is how many we're going to have. We're going to have two dogs and a cat, and we're going to have one minivan and one small car. I mean, all of these desires and all of these dreams and ideas, they're not bad things, and many of them have been given to us by God. Where they become a problem for us in our life is when we turn them into expectations. When we decide that if I don't get these things, if these things don't happen in the time frame that I feel like they should happen, then I'm going to be upset. And most, most, most definitely, I'm going to be upset with you because you're the one who's supposed to do this for me. Whether it's you're mad at your wife or you're upset with her because you expect her to be this way or it should be like this at home because your mother was this or maybe your mother was that so you don't want it to be like that, <laughs> so you want it to be a different way. And, and all of these things, well, she's upset because her father was like this or her father wasn't like this and she wants you to be that. And those, those desires and expectations and wishes go from one box to the next and that's a problem. So that first week we talked about keeping them in the right box, that we were going to be the people really truly who trusted God to bring those desires to fulfillment in our life. Now, when I talk about expectations, I'm not, I'm not saying that, the, that he said he'd be home at 5.30 for dinner today because, you know, we're going we're gonna to go out and we're going to do whatever that is, and he wasn't here. That's not necessarily pegging him with expectations. That was a decision that you made, and you made a problem. You know, I'll be home at 5.30, we'll go have dinner. When that doesn't happen, what do you do? When, when that goes wrong, and it does a lot, when there's problems in your marriage where, where you were going to do something and you decided at the last minute not to, what do you do then? What happens? And those are the things that we'll talk about today because we have a couple choices. Last week we talked about mutual submission and, and really truly that at that day where we come together, we have said before God and everybody else that came to our wedding, if there was anybody, I love you with all of my heart and I give myself to you. You know, the table represents all the things that many, many weddings have. You know, the unity candle and the, and the communion and the roses and the flowers and all of those things. It's not about that. It's about two people mutually submitting to each other in this life to say, I love you with all of my heart and I give myself to you. The other person says the same thing. And then we said Thursday comes, you know, because the wedding's on the weekend and then you, you live together for five or six days and you realize, wow, this, this, this is a little different. Now, maybe it's longer than that. Josh, you've been married for a few months, so I'm sure you haven't got to that point yet. It's still probably the honeymoon and things are fantastic. So it's all still probably going that way, but just, you know, not that bad things are going to happen, but there are opportunities that do arise. And the way that we deal with those opportunities really go a long way to determining if, if, our, if our relationship with our spouse is one that's full of intimacy and romance and love or if it's just one contract that we're just fulfilling to work through this life to get to the end. God never said that our marriage should just be a, a, an opportunity to, to make it, to just live and to just, just be at the end married together. You don't get a medal at the end because you stayed married even though you hated each other. 
See, that's what people do. They go through this whole life, and they end up living separate lives. They started off as one, but then they became two eyes in their relationship. Adam and Eve were an us, and we're supposed to be an us, that we're in this life together. And so in that way or in that place as one person, you are supposed to nurture each other, submit to each other in this relationship, that we're supposed to give ourselves to each other. And part of that is, is Philippians, like we read. We read Ephesians chapter 5, but we also read Philippians chapter 2 last week that said in verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but to the interests of others. That in our marriage many times, and we all have jobs, and we all have duties, and we all have things that we do, and I'm not saying that we don't work together in this life to get to the end, because we do. But what we need to do is what the next couple of verses say. We need to prefer the other. See, we need to look to the other's interest. It says in verse 5, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being found in appearance of a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. That he loved us so much that he made us such an important part of who he was, that he came into this earth and he died for us. He made us the priority, and that's part of the vows many times that we take. Until death do us part, I'm going to be with you. I give myself to you today. I pour my life into you. Now, if you can continue to do that for the next bunch of days, about 10,000 of them, I mean, if you can continue to do that for the next 50 years, your life is going to be exciting. It's not going to be a drudgery. It's not going to be hell on this earth. It's going to be full of love and full of life. Why? Because your relationship with God is hooked up and straight. And now your relationship with your spouse or with your mate is also hooked up and straight. And if you can keep that thing going, I'm telling you what, everything flows down. Your relationship with God first and now your relationship with your mate is on the right path, on the right place. You in your relationship are really, truly, you are the only one that you can control. Dealing with some people and you, when you go through situations in, in, in marriage and relationships, the, the, the hardest part when people have an issue or a problem is because one person has set their will to do something. And it's not, it's not according to the word of God. It's not usually according to the will of God for them and their marriage. And, and, the, and then you're stuck with the person who says, I really, truly do not want this thing to end. I want to be with them for the rest of my life. But I, I, I don't know what to do. Pray. Love them. Still submit yourself to them, whatever that is. But see, when you have one person who has a will, you can't do anything about that will. You pray that God intervenes in that case and that somehow they are open to him changing their heart. But you can't change their will. The only person you have control of in your marriage relationship is you. And part of our relationship problems in marriage is because I feel like I have control over her too. Well, you said you gave yourself to me, so here we go. We pop the knuckles and we get to work because at that day when we get home and after the honeymoon's over, now we've got to fix them. But God never called us to fix them. He called us to love them. And he called us to give ourselves to them and to love them so much that it gets past ourselves. And as we begin to fill the gap, we have to fill the gap with something. That in our life, there are mistakes. He said he'd be home at 5.30 and he's not home at 5.30. She said she would do this and she didn't get it done. And so I'm disappointed. You know, the example that I used last week was Elizabeth, and she was going to come home at 1130. We were going to walk to Carter's soccer game. We were going to watch him play soccer. She called it quarter till, and I knew my timing was shot, that there was no way I could possibly walk there. Really, truly, I felt like my whole world had caved in. I know that's hard for you to believe, but my world must be small. I mean, that was was important to me. 
And, 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 I, and, I, and I struggle, I, you know, I shared that, I, I struggle with that, but I'm, I'm learning as I grow and as I mature that, you know what, it's not that big a deal, but I have to be the one who then in that moment, there's a gap. I have to cross that divide somehow, and what am I going to do to fill that gap? And you can do something that's positive, or you can do something that's negative. And the two things that we all have choices to do, really, we, we, have, we have choices, and we get to make them, not somebody else making them for us. The first thing is, we get to assume the worst, I told her she wasn't going to get there. She's probably out doing something stupid. She called. She said she was at the fabric store. Of course she is. She's knitting. She's cutting out fabric. She's doing all of those things instead of walking with me. That's important to me. So immediately you want to assume the, assume the worst. But really, truly, what, what should we do? Believe the best. That you fill the gap by assuming the worst or believing the best. I'm not the greatest at this. She is much better at this than I am. Now, I push her to the point where she wants to assume the worst. But she does, truly. And her heart, most of the time, believe the best. I can be cantankerous to live with. And, and there's always bigger gaps than maybe both these could even fill sometimes. But really, truly, what are you going to do in your life when those things happen? It's, it's the same thing as, as forgiving somebody who has wronged you. We feel like we're letting them off the hook for something. But let me, I'm going to show you something here in a second, and you're, you're, you're going to be really, uh, I was completely amazed. Because I, I, have, I have that tendency to feel like, no, man, I'm letting her off the hook. This needs to be fixed. This needs to be right. No, it doesn't. I just need to love her, and she loves me. I need to learn to assume the best, or sorry, believe the best. And not assume the worst all the time. Because we, we, have the, we have this opportunity. It happens daily. It happens outside of your marriage relationship also. That you have to be somebody who is, who is walking in this life. It says not just to submit to each other in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands. Verse 21 says, submit to each other in your relationships. As in reverence to Christ. My main man, Corey... He, he is, he is bar, 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 bar none by far an, 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 I believe the best guy. I, it, it, it amazes me, and sometimes I just want to go up and say, no, man, really, seriously, just do this, okay? Assume the worst, please. Okay, he's Mr. Optimism. Things are always fantastic. He's always like, they're, they're always the benefit of the doubt, always going that direction, always sharing the love, always sharing the acceptance, always sharing the forgiveness, always walking that way, and that perturbs those of us who want to really truly assume the worst. I mean, if you want to assume the worst, this guy assuming the best will drive you nuts. But it happens in our life sometimes, in our life, in relationships, but especially in our marriage relationships, see, it happens. And, and we have to get to the point in our life where I choose to believe the best about her, about the situation, about the gap that's, regardless of what I know to be true in the natural, I believe the best. I have a choice. You know, it's the same thing that I shared about with the windows, and when the windows are down and it's raining, and then she leans over and says, oh, I left my windows down in my car. Could you please go roll them up? And men, men are like, are you kidding me? How many times have I told you not to roll? You've got to roll your windows up. You can't leave them down. I told you just five minutes ago it was about to rain, and you didn't go do that. And meanwhile, you're walking down the stairs, getting the keys and going out and rolling the windows up, but you're making it really bad for yourself when you come back in. You're making it tough. I shared about this a couple weeks ago. I mean, you're making it tough when you go back in because now you've got, you know, you've, you've, you have assumed the worst. 
instead of believing the best and giving her a kiss on the way out and saying, no problem, honey, that doesn't bother me a bit. I'll go out and take care of that. Give me a couple towels. Maybe I'll go out and dry it off for you too. (laughs) Now, what is the reception going to be like when you come in from that? See, as opposed to the other. It sets up a whole different atmosphere in your house. It's an atmosphere of love, of respect, of submission. See, it's an atmosphere that says, you are more important than I am. Whether you made a mistake or not, or whether I made a mistake or not, it doesn't matter. I love you, and I'm going to believe the best. Choose to love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This is in the NIV, in in chapter 13, verse 4. It says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Yeah, you wish that one wasn't in there. Read that out of the New King James because it doesn't really necessarily say it that way, but in the NIV it does. See, we, <laughs> it keeps no record of wrongs. Yay. <laughs> You're off the hook. I, I mean, th- when those things come up, you don't bring that back up. Why? Because you have no record of it. This is just like laundry. I can tell this is going to go a long way. The laundry was a tough one. It is still talking about that. But, see, it keeps no record of wrongs. Many of us have a tally sheet. See, and we hold it against our mate. And they probably truly did let you down there. They probably true did. I mean, they probably is true. They did do that. But it says right here that if I'm going to love, love them, really truly walk in love with them, that book does not exist. I don't even get to write it down, crumble it up, and burn it. It doesn't exist. Oh, I'm just keeping them so I know what I'm forgiving you of. You know, I mean, that's... (laughs) No, that's not the way it works. See, it says, keep no record of wrongs. It goes on. And it says, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. See, it always hopes, protects, loves, trusts, and perseveres. That, that is really, truly believing the best. That's love. Not letting them buy with something, but giving them mercy and grace in the moment. Now, we've got a Savior who loves us that way, and we're really glad that he assumes or believes the best about us. See, what if he was believing the, or assuming the worst about us? What if he was in heaven and he says, I knew they wouldn't do it. Let me just have five minutes with them. I'll fix them. See, is he, is he standing there on the right hand of the Father, complaining about us to the Father, assuming the worst? Or is he right there on the right hand of the Father, ever interceding on our behalf and believing the best? And our relationship with our spouse is supposed to mirror, naturally, our spiritual relationship that we have with Christ. So we have to put ourselves in that place. It'd be a lot easier if they were treating us a lot better. I mean, I would love you. You know, it'd be easier to love you if you were nicer to me. It'd be easier to, it'd be easier to love you if, you if you were just, you know, would love me back a little bit. But it doesn't say that. It says you love. Now, here, and now this is an interesting study. And, and, I, and I read about this. I didn't read the book. It comes out of a book that, that some guy wrote that I don't really even know, Marcus Buckingham. He's some kind of business guy, and he writes these books. His idea, the book that he, that he wrote is called The One Thing You Need to Know. 
and it's a business book, and it's the idea that says in most situations there's one really key, there's one true thing that you can figure out, and if you can figure this out, what, what you'll know is you'll know the key to enter into that, that situation and be successful. That somebody knows it, whether it's God speaking to you or whether it's somebody in business or somebody that's done it before, there's a key somewhere along the way. This guy, Marcus Buckingham, he promotes this idea that really, truly, people will get more out of their life if they focus on the strengths of the people who are around them rather than the weaknesses. That we have a tendency to focus on the weaknesses. Why? Because those are the things that we can fix. And if you're a man, many times it's a lot easier because we like to fix stuff. So we like, we like to make things work. We, like, we see something that's wrong and we want to fix it, whether it's a program or whether it's a situation or whether it's a schedule or whether it's organization. You know, we like to see things that don't work and we try to fix them. In this particular book, part of what he was writing about, he was, he was surprised at this, at this study. There was a study done, what is that one successful thing? What is that one key in the marriage relationship that keeps married people, that keeps happy married people happy? What is that key? And they began to search, and they began to seek, and then these guys came up with this study. And they went out and they studied. First, they studied unsuccessful marriages. Okay, people that were unhappy, that were, that were not excited about their life. Maybe they ended their marriages you know, in early years and those kind of things. And what, what they really found, to, what they found in the common denominator of unhappy marriage was that there's huge conflict, there's disconnect, and there's misunderstanding. Now, people don't under, they didn't understand each other. Really, they, they, didn't, they didn't get each other. They didn't know what made them tick. They didn't know their strengths. They didn't know their weaknesses. They, just, they really didn't know each other very well, and they didn't really work together as a team. And so it was kind of like a, you know, they, they, they thought that when they did this study, okay, now we're going to go find these married people that are successful. These, these groups of people who are just madly in love, fluttering at each other, their eyes are panting, you know, they're doing all of these things. We're going to find them, and what we're going to do is we're going to bring them into this study. And we're going to find out that they're hugely connected, that they completely know everything about each other, that they're so in tune with one another that, man, they're just operating as a machine. They're just one part just rolling down the road. And really, truly, when they did this, what they found, that wasn't the case. That wasn't, that wasn't the one thing that held them together. That wasn't the one thing that was the success for them in their life. What they found by and large as they went through and looked at all of these people They asked the gentleman, tell me about your spouse. What are her strengths and weaknesses? What are the strengths in her life? How does she rate in this area, this area, this area, and this area? And they asked the spouse some of those same questions. They said, your husband, what is it about him? In this area, this area, and this area, how would you rate him? What are his strengths and weaknesses? How high on a level of five is he? One one being no and five being a lot. And they went through and did this. And you know what they did? Each spouse rated the other one higher than they rated themselves. Dan would have rated Kelly higher in all those areas. Kelly would have said I was a three. Dan said she was a five. Dan rated himself as a two in one area, and Kelly said, well, no, he's a four. Now, they did it separately. They did it in, okay, you're a five. Sorry, she gets to be a five. You get to be a five. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) There's work to do. I've been talking to Kelly. It's okay. But... But see, now what you have to get is you have to, you have to kind of understand what they're talking about here. I saw her more valuable. I saw her with greater strengths than she saw herself. I believe the best in all of these areas. It's not that, that love is blind, but love is kind of blind if it's successful. Because you look past the mistakes. You don't see them. 
And in this study, it surprised them because it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that they were completely connected and knew each other totally. He thought he was a two. She said he was a five. She saw, she saw in him more than he did. He saw in her more than she did. And this really hit, I mean, this, this, is, see, this, this really hits home because now all of a sudden I, I know what I think about her. And so I start to think, I know what she thinks about herself. Now, it's not, it's not like, okay, you don't feel good about yourself in that area, so I'm going to pump you up in that area. It's just really, truly, I think that about you. She can do no wrong. I mean, there are times where I tell her that all the time. Look, seriously, I trust you with all you do, whatever. I trust you. You are fantastic. Now, I don't always show it. I'm not dancing around the living room and doing all those kind of things. But see, successful marriages think more of their spouse than their spouse do of themselves. So now go back, see, to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, 7. Now go back to that place, see, because if we're going, what are we going to do in this gap? Well, we're going to believe the best because I believe more about you than you believe of yourself. Does Jesus not believe more about us than we do of ourselves? Does this not mirror that relationship in our life? See, he looks past those things and he looks to the heart and he knows who you are. He knew who, you create, who he created you to be. He knows what he's got on the inside of you. He knows the great gifts and the strengths and the talents. I think sometimes we sell ourselves short in our relationship with him. Don't sell yourself short in your relationship with him and don't sell yourself short in your relationship with your spouse. That now when you go back and you start to think about that again, if I'm going really truly to believe the best about my mate, if I'm going to believe that they are who God created them to be, that they are fantastic. Because you see things in them that they don't see in themselves. And how did you get to spiritually in your life where you are today? Jesus saw more in you, and he began to speak that forth, and he began to put that out there. He began to bring people across your path to encourage you in those areas where you were weak, and it became strong. A little bit like his grace, right, in the way it works. So in your life with your spouse, you may be put here in this place to encourage them in all of these areas. That they begin to believe in themselves more than they did before. That they begin to grow that they're doing that in your life because there are places, I told you a couple weeks ago, be nice to your spouse. Basically think good things and say good things because there's a whole day where they're not thinking good things about themselves. People in general don't think good thoughts about themselves. Now, that's not us. I mean, we're believers and we're trying to think good thoughts about ourselves, but we have moments during the day. You have times during the day where you know you missed it, know you made a mistake. But when your spouse is right there beside you telling you that it's all right, you're great, you're fantastic. When your spouse is going out of his way or her way to cover, when your spouse is filling the gap with believing the best and not assuming the worst. See, what does that do to the relationship? That brings that intimacy and it brings that closeness and it brings that romance and it brings that love back into that relationship. We're not two eyes anymore. We're still in us. You're growing together as an us. So now you really truly can believe the best. That you can really truly always trust, always hope. Isn't that what it says? Always hope, always trust. What it does is love creates margin in your marriage. Most marriages like our lives are run on like 125%. And there's no room for margin. There's no room for mistakes. See, the difference between life 30 years ago and life today is everybody is taxed. We're all, we're all running at the max. We're all at 100%, and some of us are committed to 125% in our life. And so when something comes up, it's the same thing with the budget. It's the same thing with our time. When something comes up in the budget, your budget is, is maxed. You are over the limit in your budget. You are already spending more than you make, 
And so as you go around this circle, if something goes wrong, you're okay. You can kind of make it because you can keep stealing from one to pay the other. But if something goes wrong, then there's no margin for that in your life and your budget. In your life, there's no margin for that with your marriage. There's no margin with that with your relationship. There's no margin in your life in time. That when you're going through your life, if something comes up, it just blows the whole schedule. Why? Because the schedule is maxed to 120%. You know, every kid is doing 15 things, and every parent has five responsibilities, and we're we're so stressed and maxed out that you're tag-teaming and running from place to place. And that works, and there are seasons in your life when you're going through those times. But you can't live that way. Because it will burn you up because there will be things that happen along the time that somebody else needs your time for that moment, that instant. And you can't give it because you're, you're completely maxed out. That your spouse, as you go in your relationship, love creates margin. That if there's not this kind of love in your marriage, if somebody does something wrong, you immediately want to assume the worst. And all of a sudden now, everything grinds to a halt. Why? Because there's no margin, there's no love. There's no room to operate. There's no grace. There's no mercy. That we've put ourselves in this place where we don't have margin. See, love creates that margin. It creates a space. It creates a little bit of a gap there that says, you know what? If we don't both get everything perfectly right for the next 50 years, we're still going to be okay. That if I don't get fixed over the next 50 years, we're still going to be able to live an exciting, wonderful, love-filled life. See, it allows this opportunity. It's no different than us with Christ, right? I keep coming back to that today because it really, our our relationship mirrors that. It's that idea that says, with him, he is working on me to perfect me in certain areas of my life, but my relationship with him is still okay because he is working on me and I am working with him. And there's margin there for me. If I make a mistake, I know I'm not going to hell. If I make a mistake and mess up, I know my life isn't over. When you deal with young people and you talk to them, that's the first thing the devil tells them. If they've made a big mistake, the devil tells them that it's all over. Don't tell them that. Don't join sides with the enemy. Even though you think it is, resist the urge that says, now your life is ruined. Don't say that. The devil has already told them that. They're young. They've got more life to live than you do. Encourage them in that. That their life isn't over. Too many kids end up in that. I know it sounds great, and I know it sounds like, you know, this is, this is you know, perfectly normal, that I can, I can live my life really truly believing the best, that, that I can do this, that I can fill that gap, that I'm starting, you know, we're starting to understand as we go through all of these different pieces and things, this is, it, it all kind of means the same thing. Just basically love them more than you love you. And I like me a lot. So, it's, <laughs> so I love her a whole bunch. Because I, 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 you have to love yourself. You, you have to love yourself. It says in the Word that's, that you have to love God, you have to love yourself, and then love your neighbors. Because it says love your neighbors as who? As you love yourself. So you, ha- you, have, to lo- you have to love yourself. But you've got to live, and we've got to be in a place where we're believing the best. That we're saying, you know what? Regardless of what I see, regardless of what... I know it's the 14th time that she's been late, but it's okay. She's probably doing something great. But I know he's not. But he, maybe he is. See, I know she's just doing something haywire. I know it's just one of her ideas, one of her thoughts. But maybe it's just fantastic, and she's just doing what God put in her heart to do that day. See, it already stirs in you. It already makes you go like, I'm not going to do that. Hang around Corey for a while. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll get you going in that direction. Access his grace, 1 Peter 5. 
1 Peter 5, 5 through 7. This is the key, really, as you begin to fill the gap. We, we have to do this. I know the submission thing kind of goes with this, but really, truly, this is the, the, the next part in that. It says that in our life, in, in, in 1 Peter 5, 5, it says, Likewise, you younger people, submit yourself to your elders, yet all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed in humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So his grace comes when we're humble. In our life, in our marriage, many times we're standing for something and it seems like we're being resisted. And I would tell you and I would, I would ask you, what is your life like? Are you living humbly or are you walking in pride? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you're right and this has to be fixed? Then I'll tell you what, he probably is resisting you. Because when you walk in that vein, you're walking in pride, not humility. See, it says, if they don't get this fixed, I'm telling you what, it's going to be a problem, but I'm believing for our marriage to be full of love. That doesn't work. But see, that's, that really truly, when you begin to talk to somebody, that's the first thing they say. I'm believing that my marriage is full of love, that we're, that we're together, that our hearts have turned to each other, that we're walking in, in unity. I'm believing all these things. And then you say, okay, well, what is the problem? Well, I'll tell you what, she's got to fix a few things in her life. Therein lies the problem. That's not difficult to figure out. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, remember the, the, the catchy thing in the beginning. This has nothing to do with your houses. I don't know anything about you. This is all me and my world. Okay, I'm just making all this up. I don't, nobody's talked to me. I haven't talked to your mate. I mean, this is just, these are all fictitious ideas and thoughts. But see, that grace, that, that, that begins to, that, see, that's margin. That's margin. That says it's going to be okay. And how many times has God given you grace and given you margin and you've got it fixed? How many times have you been struggling or dealing with something and God said, I'm going to give you a little bit of grace here. I'm going to love you. He's just going to pour it out in this place. His mercy is there and his grace is there and he's created margin in your life and you have grown to the point where you have accomplished that thing or you've gotten past that issue. How many times has that happened? So in our marriage relationship, it's not my job to give her grace so that I can fix her. It's my job to give her grace and to love her so that God can deal with her however he's going to deal with her. Because what I found in my life is a lot of the times he didn't fix her, he fixed me. A lot of the times those things that irritated me, really, really truly, they were my problem, not hers. I like to think they are. We'll talk a little bit about that next week. See, I like to think the irritating things that she does, and we'll list them all next week, so come, you won't want to miss this. <laughs> I've got an alphabetical and numerical, so however we're going to do it, I've got it all listed out. No lists, no keeping right and wrong. It's for the sermon. I have to do it. I have to. It's for the message. But see, I mean, we think, we think that's got to be fixed, and that's, that goes back to putting it in the wrong box. That goes back into to assuming the worst. It goes back into not being submissive. I mean, it breaks all the rules that we've talked about. See, because you, that irritates me. Well, what I've found, and you'll find too me, God deals with you. God deals with you in that irritation. My brother irritated me my whole life. I wanted to kill him. <laughs> and had there been a way to do it, and I, I didn't even think of a way, an icicle. I had it all figured out. I would just, because you can't, that will melt, and there'll be no weapon. So, I mean, it was all perfect. There's no fingerprints, there's no weapon. Now, I didn't do that last month. That was, I was a young person. Now, I, I just, I thought that would be the perfect murder weapon would be an icicle. You know, you could stab him or hit him or whatever you want. It would just melt and it wouldn't be there anymore. The kid irritated the daylights out of me. 
But it was good that he was in my life because now none of you do. <laughs> See, I learned to deal with that irritation on the inside of me so that I could be able to deal with all of you. So it worked out well. I thank him every time I see him. I'm a better pastor because of you, Matt. It says, see, in due time, he will exalt. It doesn't say in due time, if you give grace, if you walk humbly, you will get them fixed. It says in due time, he will exalt you. See, you have to give that humility. You have to give that grace. You have to believe that God will fill that gap in your life and in your marriage. That his grace is sufficient. We need his grace. You can't, I know what you're saying. I don't know if I can do this. Well, I know you probably can't in the natural, but you can by the spirit. See, this is, this is beyond who we were. If we could do this, we would. I mean, if we could always believe the best, we would. If we could always be submissive, we would. If we could keep all of our stuff in our dreams, desires, and expectations, in our dreams, desires, and wishes box, we would. Why does it all get messed up? Because we're human and we make mistakes. But what we have to learn to do is really truly trust that his mercy is there, but live in his grace. Live in his grace that says it's all right. This grace basically is, is we, we talk about it and say, you know, his grace is his ability working in us to do the things that we can't do. It's his unmerited favor toward his son or toward his daughter that says, I will do this, I will make the way. That's what grace does. It provides a, a, a margin and it provides a medium in which faith works. That all of a sudden now things can happen, that God can do these things. That you can believe the best because you're living in his grace. As much as your flesh doesn't want to, as much as you don't like it, you can. It's possible. Now I know and I sit and I talk and I share with folks and they tell me all the reasons why they shouldn't. This isn't why you shouldn't. This is that you can. Because in the natural, probably people would look at you and say, yeah, you probably shouldn't. But how many of your marriages, and you don't have to lift up your hands, but how many of your marriages were at that point where there came a place where it was about to bust apart and about to go at the seams and somebody decided? You both mutually came to the point and said, you know what? Forget this. We, we, we can't act like that. We can't be two eyes in this thing fighting each other over stuff. We've got to submit to each other. We've got to live in his grace. We've got to allow God to make the difference in our life and we've got to turn toward each other. Everything in the world is pushing you apart. Divorce rates are down, not because people don't, don't, not because people love each other more. Divorce rates are down because there's kids with divorce who said, you know what, screw you, I'm living with you whether I hate you or not because my mom and dad got divorced and I'm not going to get divorced. That, that, and that's not, most of you are older and, and so you're, you're, you're past that, but, but I'm just telling you, this generation that's my age and a little bit younger, we, they're going to stay together by golly forever. And I, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make your life miserable too while we're here. That, that becomes the attitude. Now, is there love? Is there, is there the gap being filled? Is, are there any of these things in there that, that really truly do work? No. But that's going on in your lives all around you. That's not you. I'm not saying that's you in this church. But there are people whose lives are all around you who you, being the example of a godly marriage, can share that, you know what? This thing isn't just about making it to the end together. This thing's about making it to the end together as a unit together accomplishing the things that god put you in this earth to accomplish that you can love each other and that you can be one and not just exist in one home as two eyes it's possible but it takes us living it in our life and i'm telling you what you will be the example to the people who are around you so in our lives it's going to be very important 
that we live and trust his grace. We live in his grace and we trust his grace. You need it, I need it. 2 Corinthians 12, 9 says, My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. We say to God, I can't do that. And maybe you're here and you'd say that's the case. You know, maybe, maybe, you, maybe you say, you know, I, I've come and I, I don't know that I can do that. I don't know if I can assume, if I can believe the best. I, I don't know if I can get past, I don't know if I can get past this stuff. You can. I don't know. I mean, I'm telling you what, them being late all the time just drives me nuts. It sends me over the edge. You know, she continues to leave the windows down in the car and it rains in there all the time. No matter how many times I've told her, she still does it. He still interrupts me and finishes my stories. See? She still corrects me. Like when I said there's four people, she goes, no, 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 honey, there were six. That's a problem. That can become a problem. But see, if if you're believing the best, that doesn't matter. Oh, you're right, honey, that's six. Bill's like this, Pastor Bill. All the time. In relationships with, with, with Pastor Pam, with us as his kids. I mean, he, he, he has to believe the best or two. He, he is one that just, it's great. You know, sometimes you try to rile, you try to rile him. Sometimes you try to rattle his cage a little bit. And he, doesn't, he doesn't get rattled in there. <laughs> Nothing to rattle. <laughs> Did she say that to him? Uh, no, you just said that? Okay. <laughs> we'll be stretching our hands out toward Pastor Pam and Bill here in a minute. <laughs> but see, the, you, you, you don't get, that doesn't frustrate you. That doesn't bother you. Why? Because you're assuming, you're believing the best, man. You're, 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 you're filling the gap with grace. See, all of those things, we'll talk about irritations next week a little bit, but all of those things, see, that they're doing, because I know what you're doing now, man, you're like going through the list. You're like, yeah, I can do it there, I, can do it. I can't do it there. That one really drives me nuts. The other three I'll give up, but man, that one I can't, I, I, you know, I just, I, I'll try. Don't we just tell God I'll try? And then the first time it happens, you go, Rah! and you go, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. I'll try again. But how about when it happens, we respond correctly, because we're living in His grace. See, it says his grace is sufficient for you in your weakness, that you being weak are made completely strong in him. That his grace can do that in your life. It's that margin. It's that love creates that margin, and grace fills that margin. And it allows you to do things that you didn't think you could do. It allows you to love in a way that you didn't think you could love. So I don't know what to do. I mean, it just happens all the time. It says, come to him. In Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. This is completely possible. I mean, this is, this is completely possible. And this, this is going to take, this, is, this will put your relationship in, in a place of mutual submission and of love. Put your, put, your, put your relationship in a place where truly you're preferring the other. But it's about you and not me. It'll put you in a position where all your stuff goes back into the dreams, desires, and wishes box and not hanging out here in the expectations. It says, you know what? I, I, I couldn't do any of this. I, I struggle doing this one. I, you know, I have a hard time doing this one. I don't know if I can, if I can stop assuming the worst in their life. I, I don't know if I can't, but you can. 
You can. We all, we all can. Why? Because His grace is sufficient. I don't know if I can help myself. Yes, you can. See, all of these things that we've talked about over these last three weeks, they're all possible. They're all possible if we trust Him and live in His grace. Allow His grace into your relationship. That you can love your mate as you did that day that you stood there. Pour yourself into their life. And I'm telling you what, day by day, moment by moment that you do this, it will build intimacy and romance. There'll be more love. There'll be more connection. You will live in a covenant marriage and not a contract. That every day, every day will be better than the day before. Who does not want a life where every day is not better than the day before? Well, last week was pretty good. Well, then that means next week's could be better. Better. I mean, come on, you're with that person all the time. Let's stand up together and pray. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life, or if you have drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.